Hey guys, I hope you're having a good day. What is a good day? A good day is one that starts and ends spending time with our wonderful Lord. We're in 1 Peter. Today we're looking at chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. And again, as we continue to take a close look at our salvation, today we get to look through the eyes of a suffering believer who really, really loves the Lord. Christian, even though you may be going through some heavy times right now, remember that your salvation can never, ever be taken away. You can rejoice in that. How can anyone truly rejoice or like be glad in the midst of painful, grievous, or even distressing trials? Well, is it possible to find a cool spring in the middle of a desert? How can anyone smile when they're surrounded by misunderstanding, ridicule, and rejection? 1 Peter 1.5 states that our eternal salvation is secure and protected by God's sovereign hand. And then verse 6 mentions the duration of the suffering is, get this, for a season. Now, if you combine the three words for a season with 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18, you can join the Apostle Paul in sitting down with your friends that are hurting or depressed and be ready to give uh, them and offer them a spiritual hug of comfort. Things are tough right now, but this will pass. You might be in the middle of a very difficult season of life, but with time, seasons change. Remember, Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen, they're eternal. Whatever difficulty you're going through right now, trust God and and try to be patient. It will pass away. Someone has said that either we're in the midst of a trial, have just gone through one, or about to enter one. Trials are part of life. Christian, you can be assured that even though everything in life can be taken away, even our lives, no one can take away our eternal salvation. It is ours. It is eternal. It is protected by the almighty, powerful hand of God. Now, trials, rejection, and suffering have a way of kind of proving the genuineness of our faith. Only true, genuine faith. I'm not talking about phony faith or fake faith or even pretend faith can bring honor and praise to our Lord. When things are going great, we can fake our trust in God. When life is hard and we feel like giving up, God and others can easily observe how genuine our faith is. Is God really able to protect us? Is God powerful enough to get us through? Can God deal with the situation without our help? Does he know what is going on? Does he really care? You know the answer to each of these questions. Now, Do we believe the answer? Charles Spurgeon illustrates this truth with a martyr named Patrick Hamilton, who for his faith was burned to death in Scotland. Someone warned the torturers responsible for his death, saying, if you're going to burn anymore, you had better do it in a cellar, for the smoke of Hamilton's burning has opened the eyes of hundreds. Spurgeon continues to say, oh, that God might help us to such faith, that when we come to suffer in life or even expire in death, We may so glorify God that others may believe in him. May we preach sermons by our faith, which shall be better than sermons and words. Now, Jesus Christ promised that he was coming back to earth for all of us to see. No one knows when that will be, but it seems like the world is perfectly set for his return any second. Even though none of us on earth have ever seen Christ face to face, we can still believe in him and learn to love him, whom having not seen, you love, in whom though now you see him not, yet believing. Some need to see something in order to believe, 
and are hoping for a glimpse of, I don't know, Noah's Ark or a peek inside the Ark of the Covenant or a view of the impression of Christ on his burial cloth, true faith is believing without seeing. Hebrews 11 tells us this, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that is rewarder of them that diligently seek him. How can someone learn to love and trust someone they have never seen? We should never underestimate the power of the written word. Many long-standing relationships have started with letters and emails and texts. God's word is actually a love letter to all of us. Do you remember your first love letter in the second or third grade? Knowing that a friend cares for you is very encouraging. Now, in a way, I could take my Bible, turn to the front cover and write, Dear Rand, and then flip to the back cover and write, Love, God. The more time I spend meditating on God's word, the more I understand his heart, which causes me to love and to trust him more. In this short text that Paul sent to us, uh, the verses we're studying today, Peter repeats himself and starts with, you greatly rejoice, and then seems to define the word greatly with the words, you rejoice with joy, unspeakable, and full of glory. There are some things in life that just don't seem to mix well, like oil and water, cats and dogs, or junior high boys and English tests, yet God can take words like suffering and rejoicing and put them in the same sentence. What do people think when they watch someone going through cancer or the loss of a loved one and still give evidence of inexpressible and glorious joy? In our little finite minds, it does not make sense. Joy is the result of a close personal relationship with Jesus Christ. A relationship is built by two essential ingredients, the same ingredients that are in all close relationships, love and trust, loving and believing. When you truly trust God, believe that he is everything and is in control and loves you more than you love him, you can sense the inward peace and sufficiency that comes from a heart filled with joy. Warren Wiersbe calls this joy a holy optimism. Strong Concordance calls it a calm cheerfulness. I would love to hear how you would define the joy that dwells in your heart in the midst of truly difficult times. Now, one result or outcome or consequence of your faith and trust is the salvation. Uh, we are enslaved by our sin for eternity until by faith we believe that God is able to save us from the penalty of that sin. Just knowing that we are saved from sin and will enjoy the presence of God for all eternity should be enough to fill our hearts with all kinds of love and joy and peace. David sang a song written for us uh, in Psalm uh, 30 verse 5. Here are just a few of the lyrics. Weeping may endure for a night but joy comes in the morning. Well, our time is up. we got to close for now, but I hope this has been a blessing to you. And if you want more information on the Wilds Camp or any of the books that encourage your heart, just go to ranhumble.com. And I hope that you have a really good day.